pickleball strategy, specifically five things that we get wrong about pickleball strategy. That is what we're talking about today on this episode of Pickleball Problems. Welcome back to Pickleball Problems. I'm your host, Mark Renison. I'm here live on location in beautiful Indian Wells, California. We are at the 2022 USA Pickleball National Championships. And I have had a great time walking around the tournament, checking out the players, the singles, the doubles, the mixed. It has been fantastic. And one of the things I love doing here is listening to people, listen to them, talk about what they're doing on the court, what other people are doing on the court. It gives me a lot of insight into how people think about pickleball and specifically how people think about pickleball strategy. And I have noticed during this tournament that there are five things that stand out that people are getting wrong about pickleball strategy. And I'm going to talk about those today here on the show. This episode of Pickleball Problems is brought to you by Pickleball Coaching International. PCI is an industry leader when it comes to pickleball coach education and instructor certification. I should know. I built it. PCI offers instructor certification that is 100% online. So that means you don't have to wait for them to come into town. You don't have to miss work or miss school or travel or stay overnight in a hotel. PCI instructor certification is available when you want and where you want. You can go at your own speed. I think it's a great program. The level one certification has been out for years and level two is now live. If you want more comprehensive pickleball coach education, if you want to do a deep dive into lesson planning and giving great feedback and improving the performance of your players, you are going to love PCI's level two program. Head over to PCI Pickleball today. Check it out. Pickleball Coaching International. We make good coaches even better. All right, five things that we all get wrong about pickleball strategy. And by we all, I I mean, I don't mean every single person. Some people understand this well, but there's a lot of people that misunderstand it. We might even say that there are some myths out there. So let's get into mistake number one. Why is returning serve and coming to the net important? Why do you do that? When you watch good players play, they return serve and they come running up to the net, right? That is like not a rule of pickleball, but it's something you watch good players do. So why is it that they do that? And I know you might say something like, well, because the team at the net typically wins the point. Well, that's not really true because a lot of the time points end and both teams are at the net right? Or if you're at the net, you control the play. Well, sometimes that's true, but I see a lot of examples of people who are at the net who are not really controlling the play. So let's make sure we really understand why returning serve and coming to the net really matters. And why it really matters is really about time and space. Let me explain. All right, the distance from baseline to baseline is 44 feet. So let's say I return serve and I stay back at my baseline. Well, when you're hitting that next ball, somewhere around your baseline, assuming my return is reasonably deep, well, that ball that you send to me now is going to travel 44 feet before it gets to me. So that means there's like 44 feet worth of time from when you hit that ball to watch that ball go way over the net and then to get ready for the next ball to come back. But imagine if when you hit that ball, instead of me standing at the baseline as you're hitting your third shot, I'm where I should be up at the non-volley line. Well, I've just reduced that by a significant margin, right? I've just taken away 15 feet that that ball that you hit is going to travel. And that is one reason why coming to the net is important. By shortening the distance between you and your opponent, the ball they send is going to travel a shorter distance. And if that ball is going to travel a shorter distance, all things being equal, they are going to have less time to react because that ball is getting to you quicker. So that means that you can send it back sooner. 
doesn't necessarily mean you have to hit hard, but it does mean that you're hitting the ball earlier. So space and time are related. The farther the distance the ball travels, the longer it's going to take to get there. So by returning and coming forward, you are reducing space and you're reducing time. Now, there's another related reason that you want to come forward to the net, and that is because you're more likely to get a high ball. Now, if you get a high ball, you can hit on a downward trajectory. And if you can hit downward, you can also hit hard and still keep the ball in play. So coming forward to the net increases the chances you get those high juicy balls that you can smack on a downward trajectory, again, taking away your opponent's time. So that is why it's so important to return serve and come to the net. It is about stealing time from your opponents, both because you get more high balls, but also because you reduce the distance their ball is going to travel before you hit that next shot. Hey there, it's Mark. If you're a pickleball coach, then you know how tough it can be to create new, interesting lesson plans for your players. The same old drills, the same old games, and the same old teaching points don't typically excite people to keep on coming back. So that's why I've put together a series of my very favorite lesson plans. They're fun, flexible plans that you can use no matter what skill group you're working with or how long you're on the court. Let me give you an example of some of the plans. We've got lesson plans that are all about starting the point effectively, whether you're the serving team or the returners. Want to help your players develop better third shot drops and drives? And most importantly, to know when to use each? Well, we've got a lesson plan for that. You can help your players with their defensive skills, help them put away balls when they have the opportunity, and learn how to use different kinds of spin in different kinds of situations. Our premium lesson plans might be just the thing you need to help keep your pickleball lessons feeling fresh and fun. If this sounds good to you, head over to PCIPickleball.com and look for the premium lesson plans. That's PCIPickleball.com and look for the premium lesson plans. Pickleball Coaching International. We help good coaches get even better. Welcome back to Pickleball Problems. Today we are talking about five common mistakes, misunderstandings related to pickleball strategy. We just finished talking about why you should come to the net after returning serve. Let's talk about moving as a team. So you often hear coaches or I don't know, people who want to be coaches or people are just talking about pickleball, they should always move as a team. And sometimes you hear something like, oh, pretend there's like an elastic band between the two of you or you're tethered together or somehow. But the truth is when you watch strong players play, they often don't move in exactly the same way at the same time. You'll sometimes see one player moving forward and one staying back or one player backing up and one staying up at the net. So what should we understand or what should we make of these teams that don't necessarily move as a team? Well, let me give you an example. Let's say you and I are playing together and we're the serving team and uh, we hit that serve and they return the ball to you and you're getting ready to play your third shot. And let's say you're playing a third shot drive. You like to smack that third shot hard. Okay. Now, if I'm back at the baseline with you when you hit that third shot hard, well, there's a whole lot of space up near the front of the net. And that means that neither of us is really putting much pressure on our opponents because we're both back staying together by the baseline. So that really means because we're not putting much pressure on up near the net that our opponents really just have to deal with the volley, right? They've got to deal with that drive that you're sending and they got to, you know, not mess it up too much, but we're not putting a lot of pressure. But imagine this scenario instead, you're getting ready to hit that drive and I've already started to move forward toward the net. Well, now all of a sudden, especially if I'm creeping over toward the middle of the court, our opponents have to worry about two things. They still have to worry about the drive you've hit, but they also have to worry about me being up at the net looking to pounce on anything that comes over kind of high. So that's true whether we're talking about third shot drives, whether we're talking about third shot drops, is that by one of us moving forward a little bit earlier, we can apply some pressure. Now there's a risk here. 
What if that person hitting that drive or hitting that drop doesn't hit a very good shot, right? The drive is too slow or the drop is too high. Well, now all of a sudden the partner who's moved up earlier, they're a bit of a sitting duck. So there's a bit of a risk reward calculation you've got to make here. And you also have to consider how good is your partner at hitting that third shot, right? Similar kind of idea when we're talking about moving laterally at the kitchen, let's say in a dinking rally. The only reason I need to slide over with you as you get pulled out wide to play that dink is if you kind of pop your ball up, right? Otherwise, there's a huge hole in the middle of the court that the opponents can hit through. But when you watch pros, they often don't slide over with their partner. And that's because they trust that their partner, when receiving a good dink, is going to do what they should, which is play a good dink back, which will be less likely that they'll have the opportunity to attack through the middle there. So again, Moving with your partner, yeah, I guess that makes sense if you don't really trust them to hit high-quality shots each time. But if you do trust them to hit high-quality shots, perhaps you can put yourself in a more strategic position, in a more offensive position to apply some pressure to your opponents. Mistake number three is that you should always play a third shot drop. This is something we've been talking about for years here at Third Shot Sports. Is a third shot drop a useful shot? Sure it is. When you've got really great players at the net who handle your fastballs well, you might want to play that low and slow third shot so it forces them to hit upward, and then they can't hit that hard and still um, keep the ball in play, right, if you force them to hit up. But what if your opponents aren't those great net players, those great volleyers? Well, they will be quite happy when you give them that slow and low ball, right, you play that drop that doesn't cause much trouble. What they may be fearing instead is if you hit that third shot hard, that you smack it at them, that you give them less time to react. And I think probably if you're watching Advanced Pickleball over the last few years, you've sort of seen this in action. We are seeing strong players hit their third shots harder more frequently. They're trying to put pressure on their opponents, give them less time to react, and make it more likely they hit a poor fourth shot. So I encourage you when you're playing pickleball, is that you go out and you experiment, you test the waters, you hit those third shots hard, see if your opponents handle them well. If they do, okay, maybe you start to think a little bit about playing a drop. And if they don't hit them so well, maybe then you keep smacking that third shot, make their life more difficult. All right, mistake number four that we misunderstand when it comes to pickleball strategy has to do with the deep return of serve, why it's important. If I asked you why to hit a deep return of serve, you'd say, oh, Mark, I know this, pickleball 101, we do it to keep our opponents back, or we do it to buy ourselves to get time to the net, buy ourselves time to get to the net. Neither of those are actually true. Look, when you watch good players play, they're good at returning deep, but do you see that team being kept back? Probably not. What you often see is they hit some sort of third shot, often a drop, and then they come forward to the net. You can't keep good players back just because you hit a deep return of serve, right? They find a way to come up to the net. The other thing about deep returns of serve, they don't necessarily give you time to get to the net. What if you hit the ball deep, but you hit it fast and deep, right? You hit a low ball that's hard, you smack it, and it goes deep in the court. Is that going to give you a lot of time? No, because depth isn't what gives you time to run to the net. Height is what gives you time to run to the net. If you hit a higher ball, you will have more time to run forward as your opponents wait for that second bounce. So why is a deep return important? Because it doesn't necessarily keep people back, and it also doesn't necessarily give you time to get to the net. Let's talk about that in just a moment. Hey there, it's Mark. Pickleball Problems is brought to you by Selkirk TV. Selkirk TV gives you a front row seat to live pickleball matches, past championships, on-demand skills training, including my pretty great show called Pickleball Today, as well as behind-the-scenes insights and so much more. Available in the App Store and on Google Play, Selkirk TV is the perfect app for any pickleball fan. Download the app today for free 
get started watching Pickleball's very best online content, Selkirk TV. All right, just before the break, we were talking about the deep return of serve and how it's not typically about what we often think it is. It's not about giving us time to run to the net. That's what height does. And it's not about keeping people back. Good players can still find a way to come in. So what is the deep return of serve about? Well, it is about time. You were right, it is about time. But it's not about running time to the net. It's about reaction time. When your opponents hit that third shot, this is especially important if they're hitting that third shot hard, it's better for you if they're farther away. If they are farther away, that ball has a longer distance to travel. All things being equal, it will take longer to get to you. And if it takes longer to get to you, then you are going to have more time to react to it. So deep returns are about time, but they're more about reaction time than anything else. If you hit that return of serve short, especially if it's high, and your opponents are moving inside the baseline, well, now you're getting very close to them. So when they smack that third shot at you, you're not going to have as much time to react. Okay, so make your life at the net easier by returning deep. Again, it is about time, but it's about reaction time, not running time. All right, the fifth mistake we make has to do with handling fastballs. Let's assume your opponent just drove that third shot hard at you from the baseline, or maybe they flicked it from up near the kitchen. What should you do with those balls? Well, sometimes people think, oh, I should hit it back deep, or maybe I should play it short, right? We try to get cute with it, a little drop shot. We should slow it down, right? We often hear about this, slow down the game. No. Look, when your opponents are hitting the ball hard at you, they're hoping for one of two things to happen. They are hoping that you either miss outright, that you can't get that ball back in play, right? Or they're hoping that you pop it up, because if you pop it up, then they can continue to hit hard because they can hit downward and still keep the ball in the court. So if your opponents want you to miss or hit high, you should try to do the opposite. Keep the ball in play and keep it low. If you can keep this ball low and force your opponents to hit up, then they will be limited. They'll be neutralized more likely because they have to hit up. If they hit up and they hit hard, balls are likely to go out. So the way to neutralize your opponents when they're hitting hard, no matter where they're hitting hard from, we should think a little bit less about where we're sending the ball and a little bit more about how high we're sending the ball back over the net. If you can keep that ball sort of one paddle height or so uh, above the net, there's a good chance that will force your opponents to hit up on their next shot and they are less likely to keep you in trouble. All right, that's it for this episode of Pickleball Problems. I would love to know, what do you think of the show? Send me an email, mark at thirdshotsports.com. Of course, you can find us on all the social media. If you are a pickleball coach, why not check out pcipickleball.com? That is PCI Pickleball, Pickleball Coaching International. We are, I think, the best instructor certification program out there, willing to put ours against anyone else any day of the week. Check it out at pcipickleball.com. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I'm going back to the pickleball courts here at Nationals. Hope you have a great day.